Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Hello everyone, welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio. This is episode number 226 of the world's most dangerous podcast. I'm Chad Dotson, your host, and with me again this week, your friend and mine, Jason Linden. How are you today, Jason? I am splendid, Chad. How are you this fine, fine, fine day? I'm great, and I'm going to tell you why I am great. I mean, I'm literally over the moon. Okay, I'm not literally over the moon. I was going to say, that would make this signal, the clarity and lack of time delay in the signal, all the more impressive. (laughs) Exactly. But I'm pretty happy right now, and I'm going to tell you why. Tell me why. Jason Linden, it is official. Your Cincinnati Reds cannot lose 100 games this year, officially. Oh, my God. Let's party, man. I can't believe it. I won't believe it. They can The most they could lose, even if things go awful, and they probably will, as they usually do with the Reds, they can only lose 99 games. Oh, man. Party like it's 1999. Oh, that was a good year. That was a good year. I'd take, I'd take some of that right now. <laughs> yeah, give me a little bit of that. All right, let's not talk about how disappointing the Reds have been. Although, let's be clear, they've been a massive disappointment this year. But hey, at least they're not the Orioles. Oh, man. We've always got that. They're not can, the worst team. Can I drop a bit of uh, baseball esoterra before we get serious here? I guess only if you stop using big words. Sorry, I thought you were college educated, but I guess it was the University of Virginia, so it doesn't really count. This has been episode number 226 of Red Leg Nation Radio. <laughs> All right, get on with it. Um, so one of the one of the small things that I'm watching and trying to keep myself interested in the end of this baseball season is the race between the Boston Red Sox and the Baltimore Orioles. The farthest behind the farthest out of first place any team has ever finished since expansion began i haven't gone back farther than that yet is the very first year of the new york mets when they finished 62 games out of first place the baltimore orioles are currently 58 and a half games out of first place (laughs) that is crazy yeah that's completely insane so it, <laughs> we often say that it could be worse, but it it really could be much, much worse, as alarming as that is. It's really hard to believe that, you, you know, you talk about a team, we talk about the Reds all the time being sort of mismanaged. Um, that owner, the uh, the Orioles, under Peter Angelos, I mean, you know, yeah. they, they've had some high points, but man, we've complained about Castellini, Bob Castellini, yeah. Reds ownership, uh, meddling and all that. I mean, Peter Angelos is a perfect example of how that does not work. 
Yeah, if the Reds were in the same division as the Orioles, they would be in front of the Orioles by 21 games. See, but what you're suggesting is that there's a, some alternate universe where the Reds wouldn't be in last place. <laughs> well, I mean, if we're if we're going to go there, the Reds have the best record of any last place team. <laughs> oh, man. Is this true, Jason Linden? It is true. I'm staring at the standings right now. They They would be in second to last in what, one, two, three, four divisions, and they would be in third in the AL Central. Oh my goodness, what a time to be alive. What a time indeed. The Reds are the best last place team. I mean, we can say that with confidence. If you had a division consisting only of the six last place teams, the Reds would be in first place. So there is an, an alternate universe where if you did some shuffling around and changed the divisions around, the Reds are a playoff team right now. Correct. Oh, With man. 63 wins, even. Jason, this is the best news I've had all year. There you go. I, <laughs> I, aimed to, I didn't even mean to deliver that news, and yet I did. That's just proof of how magical I am. You are magical, and I'm just terribly excited right now. So let's talk about some recent news with the Cincinnati Reds, the best last place team in the majors. The Cincinnati Reds, uh, their instructional league is going to start uh, here in a few days, uh, you know, the Arizona Fall League, et cetera, et cetera. And the Reds announced their roster. And uh, there's a few weeks before they start playing games, but the first workouts start, I believe, uh, this coming week, next Monday. And, you know, I, I scanned down the roster, and very little of it was interesting to me. A guy named Jos- Josiah Gray that I saw pitch uh, for Greenville drafted this year. Saw him pitch exceptionally well for, for Greenville. Um, they got a guy named Orlando Noriega. I'm worried he's going to take over Goodyear and a hostile takeover. Military coup, um, but most of these guys, Hendrick Clementina, who had a good year, I think, for Dayton. Some guys that really wasn't that interesting. One guy, twenty-three-year-old first baseman from uh, from Daytona. You ever heard of this guy, Ibandel Isabel? <laughs> you know that guy? I think I'm going to become very familiar with him. <laughs> he had a good year this year, man. I hope he makes it to the Reds soon. We're going to have some fun with that guy. Jonathan Willems, second baseman that played for Greenville this year. That was the the best player I saw play for Greenville. I saw him play a few times this year. And then you, know, you go down, they have them listed as pitchers, catchers, infielders. And I'm going down the list of outfielders, and there's uh, Stuart Fairchild, the, the center fielder that came out of Wake Forest. Um, and then there's a guy listed as an outfielder. A uh, He played at Louisville last year. A guy named Nick Senzel. You heard of this guy? I have heard of him, though not as an outfielder. Listed as an outfielder. What do you think about that, Jason Linden? <sighs> oh, how do you spell that? I don't know. Uh, Chad. <laughs> I, I sense that you have some thoughts. Is it possible to fire Bob Castellini? Can we do that? I'll have to, you know, I do have I a legal think- education. I'll have to... I'll have, I have to look at Ohio State law. Here, Here is literally, and I mean literally, the only scenario in which this makes sense. Are you ready? I've got one too, so let's see if yours is the same as mine. The only scenario, well, actually I can think of two scenarios in which this makes sense, but they're respectively variations on the same one. One is that they think, and I think this might be possible, I'm not certain i haven't seen enough of him to say for sure but i can conceive of nick senzel being fast enough and having enough range to play a pretty good center field yes i don't know but it's conceivable 
And if that's the case, that's acceptable. Makes sense. Absolutely. Let's give him a shot oh. there and see. Because if he, if he is a center fielder, you and I had some talk before the season about him being right. a shortstop potentially. Similar if he's a center fielder. His value increases. The other acceptable thing is, to, to me at least, is if there is a plan to do something that various people with the Reds have kind of talked to and hinted at before, which is basically have more than eight what you would call starting players, wherein guys float around. So maybe when Suarez needs a day off, Senzel's at third, he plays a bunch at second, he plays in the outfield some, something along those lines. What is alarming about this to me, however, though, is it seems to fully indicate that the Reds have no intention whatsoever of trading Scooter Jeanette. Okay, let me try to be, play the devil's advocate here. Play the devil's advocate, person who went to law school. <laughs> are, you, are you calling lawyers devils? I'm calling you advocates. Oh, I see. Okay. Um, well, I'm no, I'm no longer a lawyer, so. Big words mean. <laughs> Big words. I didn't go to a fancy school like you. But what about this? <laughs> never going to live that down. <laughs> you really hammered my, my, my University of Virginia. You're going to come after me for that forever. And I was just being mean. University of Virginia is a fine school. Well, as long as, long as you didn't graduate from the University of Maryland at Baltimore County. Little, no. Little NCAA basketball joke for you there, Jason. I, I did not. I Yes, I'm aware. Yeah, all right. <laughs> I was not under a rock that week. I wish I was. Listen, wait, wait, let's not talk about UVA flaming out to a number 16 seed in the tournament. Please, can we get back to the Reds? Sure. Speaking <laughs> of flame outs. Yeah, exactly. Here's my, uh, here, here's my uh, thought. The Reds should have had Nick Senzel playing some in the outfield this season in AAA. What if they're listening? They already know he can play third base. They already know he can play second base. What if the idea is let's get him some time as an outfielder and it just increases the range of uh, options we have this offseason in terms of trading Scooter or signing Scooter or, you know, just it, what, trading an outfielder? Um, it just gives them a lot more options if he can play a passable outfield. And I really hope they give him a chance in center field um, because the corner outfield spots are, you know, I mean, there may be some... If... If Nick Senzel is not good enough to play a, a solid center field, and then thus your outfield is Senzel and then like Shebler in center and Winker, and you've got Scooter Jeanette at second base, that is the defensive apocalypse. It's bad because because you got a below average. I love Scott Shebler. Love yeah. Scott Shebler. Below average defensive center fielder and way below average defensive second baseman. And we haven't really, we're not sure what we have with, with uh, Parazza, but. Um, people yell at me all the time when I call him Paraza. Paraza. Um, I get bad emails. But um, seriously, uh, we, we're not quite sure where his defense is. So you're starting to look at a team that is kind of struggling defensively. Yeah, there. there's, there's a whole lot of, eh, he's okay defensively. Yeah, that's it's tough to live with that. It's not what we had a couple of years ago where it was like, wow, everybody on this team can play defense. That yeah. is not what we that is yeah. not what we have. But And I mean, you can I will say you can get by with bad defense. The Astros, you know, who were in the World Series recently had a terrible defensive team. Um overall. So, it, you know, it's it's it, it can be done, but it's, you know, it's starting to highlight itself as a weakness 
Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I think it's good that Nixon Zell has flexibility and if it, 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 it putting him out there is uh, a way of enhancing that flexibility in terms of the roster. I think it's good. And I think a guy that's playing like you suggested, sort of having nine guys for your eight starting spots, that ninth guy, it shouldn't be Senzel. He's not the ninth best player there. But no. but that ninth guy can still get a ton of at-bats and can be essentially a full-time player. Yes. People underestimate. Yeah, we, we, we all complained about this four-man outfield rotation earlier this year. But people underestimate how many extra at-bats there are. For, for another guy. So, okay. But, um, my, my, and maybe it's just cause I'm skeptical because what we've seen out of this uh, front office the last uh, couple of years. Yeah. It really seems they've had no plan whatsoever for what they were going to do with Nixon Zell. I mean, literally no plan whatsoever. Let's just uh, keep our fingers crossed and we'll figure out a way, place to put him in at some point. Yeah. Which won't be on opening day of next year. Yeah. yeah, I'm going to save that one for opening day of next year when I'm going to spend a whole hour just whining about the fact he's not on the opening day roster. Well, I will listen. Yeah. Um, I listen, Chad. You never listen. You always take an opportunity to just smack me around. Well, I mean, I didn't say I wouldn't also smack oh, you around, but okay. I'll listen. All right. So uh, there are circumstances where this is not a bad thing. And if it's a, if it's a, a way of getting Sinzel into the lineup, hey, sign me up. I want him in the lineup one way or the other. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he needs to, he needs to play like the, I mean, I'm really starting to wonder, frankly, just to insert this comment, how much longer the the players union is going to put up with this like service time manipulation that's Mm -hmm. going on um, where teams are basically just forcing players who are more than ready to be in the majors to stay in the minors for extended periods of time basically to save money like i would be starting to get really angry um as i'm sure a lot of players are and i wonder how long that that teams are going to be able to get by with that like i think they're working themselves into a corner where we're going to have a strike the next time things come up for negotiation i wouldn't be surprised they've really dropped the ball in previous negotiations frankly yeah um and i'm just to the point where uh you know i get upset every time one of these guys Deserves to be in the major leagues. And it really, my my opinion's always been that I want the best 25 guys. That's why I complained about Senzel earlier in the year not being up. But just watching this Senzel situation up close, I am so irritated with a big league team choosing not to put their best 25 men on the field. Making an active choice not to put their best 25 players on the field. It just wears me out. The Reds can't afford to do that. It's time to start winning. I could not concur more wholeheartedly. Finally. Finally, we agree about something. Finally, because we never agree. So uh, where is Nick Senzel when he makes his debut with the Reds, either next year or the year after the year after that, however long the Reds decide to hold him back? What position is he playing in his first game with the Reds? Catcher. <laughs> Catcher? The Reds have a gold glove catcher. Yeah, but I mean, you know, that bad at catcher, huh? Oh, well, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll... I genuinely have no idea, honestly. I, If I were to guess right now, I would say probably the outfield, frankly, yeah. which irritates me because it just does. But, like, 
I really don't know. Well, it irritates me if it's non-center field outfield. Otherwise, yeah. he needs to. Otherwise, he needs to be playing second base. Yeah, I mean, honestly, if he plays center field, then at the very least, the Reds are certainly fielding their best possible offensive lineup. Yes, yes, you've got you've got uh, uh, above average or average or better hitters at every position, basically. It, within the context of the position, you would have above average hitters at every yes. position. Yes, and, like, ga- and guys that get on base at every position. Yeah, yeah, like Peraza and Barnhart are going to be around average for the league, but they're above average at their position. Yes. Hey, I like we're saying that about Peraza now. Yes, I know. Hey, did you know that I was really right about Jose <laughs> Peraza and everyone else was really wrong? You Finally, finally you were right about something and I intend to let you crow about it. You know who else I was really right about since I'm crowing? I do. He's the most underrated player in baseball, according to Fangraphs. He is. His name is Eugenio Suarez. And I, I was right for about him like three years ago. I predicted this because I am a genius. That's not the way I remember it. I remember you being upset because the Reds traded your favorite player, Alfredo Simon, for him. Chadwick. No, I know. Let's not get into that. Chad. <laughs> not true. It was, go here, Chad. Listeners, it was not true. All right. It was not true. Jason uh, was much in favor of that trade. Boy, that was a steal. It really was. Eugenio Suarez, who is a superstar now. The Reds, yeah. tra- the Reds got him in a trade for the bloated corpse of Alfredo Simon. Yes. Yes. Wow. And Suarez has been one of the uh, one of the best Reds in the last couple of years. And yeah, he's the best player on the team this year. No, no, come on. He is. Oh, you this know, year. Yeah, this no, year. Yeah. But Suarez has been the best player on the team this year. Okay, this year, not last year. No, not last year. This year, he's been the best player on the team. Who was the best player last year? Joey Votto. No, no, no. I mean, I want to talk about Joey in just a second because we have some things to talk about. But come on, you're being silly. It wasn't Joey Votto. Joey Votto. Jason, it's like you have forgotten what happened in 2017. Oh, you know what? There was there was a pitcher who was great. What was his name again? You remember, Chad? Kevin Gregg. <laughs> no. No, that's not right at all. <laughs> oh, we've gone completely off the rails, Jason. That's it, the only place we know how to be, Chad. Exactly. It was, of course, the immortal. Luis Alberto Bonilla. Ibandel Isabel. Speaking of your your good buddy, uh, Lee Salverto. Um, I say it better than you. It's true. I'm, I, I, it's, <laughs> but I'm not trying to enter into a, a competition with you. I'm acknowledging your greatness. And, Thank you. you know, right, I'm not in the same league as you. And, but, and I think everybody understands that. But did you really have an anecdote about uh, Lee Salverto you wanted to? No. I mean, it's kind of. I just was going to ask a question, which is, without having a chance to study, do you think there is any single person alive who could name everyone who has pitched for the Reds over the last three seasons. I mean, you and I follow the Reds closer than just about anyone. I could not do it. There's no. a 0% chance. There's no way. I bet there's no one employed by the Reds that could do that. I bet. Just on memory. Because they have better things to do. <laughs> well, I would hope, but I don't know. I yeah. Asher Wojciechowski, I remember him. Yeah, I remember him too, but only because of the name. Great name. Great name. So, all right, I'm looking real quick. So there were 20, so far this year, the Reds have used 28 pitchers. 
Last year, they used 30. And in 2016, they used 31 pitchers. So that's 89 pitchers. I mean, obviously, some of them are going to be the same. But 89 pitchers over the course of three seasons. Wow. (laughs) Did you know Matt McGill pitched for the Reds? Who? Who's Abel De Los Santos? He pitched for the Reds. See, you're just making up names now. Who's Lane Somson? I have Uh, no idea who this person is. I remember that guy. He was Somson. (laughs) He was really Somson. Oh, Chad. (laughs) Oh, it's crazy. This is what we've had to endure the last few years. It's Jake Buchanan? Who? What? Oh, you remember Jake Buchanan. He was that guy. He was that guy. He was right-handed. I believe you. <laughs> he was right-handed, and he, and he pitched. He, he stood on the mound some and like, pitched and stuff. Well, he doesn't have a little asterisk by his name on baseball reference, so I can confirm that he was, in fact, right-handed. No, oh, see? I told you. I do remember him vaguely. Seems like yeah. he played for the Cubs for a while, too. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, maybe they got him on waivers from the Cubs. I don't know. We're talking about Jake I Buchanan. I did play for the Cubs. I clicked on his name. Oh, see? Look at that. You're a dynamo, Chad. Oh, and also Lane Sumpson. Yeah, but if I hadn't given you uh, Jake Buchanan's name, I don't think you name him on the list of people who pitched for the Reds in the last three years. I no, think you... I, you're right. Yeah. I'm, I've been trying to block the pitching staff for the last few years from my head. Do you, do you think anybody is still listening to this like laundry list of crappy Reds pitchers? <laughs> maybe only Mrs. Bonilla, hoping I mention her son again. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. Okay, so you said that Joey Votto was the best player on the Reds last year. Yes. Okay. Um I want to know your thoughts on Joseph Daniel Votto. We talked about this a little bit before we started recording, and and you told me some interesting factoids. Yes. Shall we have some interesting factoids? Oh, I hope you'll you'll lay them on us. So uh, I have a column that will be coming up in Cincinnati Magazine um, pretty soon about – you know, the, the, the base of it is something I've been tweeting about, and presumably anyone who listens to this podcast is also aware of me on Twitter because, I mean, come on. You're you're in real deep at this point, people. There's no shame in hiding. There's at, no point in hiding it. Like, you at, know. at Jason Linden on Twitter. At yeah. Jason Linden. Anyway, I've, I've been tweeting about the fact that, that Joey Votto is now more or less a lock to lead the league for the seventh time in on-base percentage. I will now say out loud the names of the other players who have led the league in on-base percentage seven times. Wait, before you start, I want everyone to listen to this list. Joey Votto has led the league, in, or will have led the league in on-base percentage seven times, and I want everyone to listen very carefully to this list of names. It, because Here. every time I hear it, it just astounds me. Here we go. You ready? Let's do it. Barry Bonds, Ted Williams, Babe Ruth, Rogers Hornsby, Ty Cobb. That's the list. Every single one of those names are inner circle Hall of Famers. Yes. People will have their feelings and arguments about Bonds, but nobody debates that his numbers are unbelievable. Yeah, well, I don't can, have, yeah, there's no debate in my mind. No, I agree, I agree. But I'm just, you know, for those people who are like, rah, 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 Bonds. Like, steroids, steroids. Yeah, we're just talking about numbers here, folks. What about hat size? Now, Barry Bonds probably is a, has an elite hat size as well, right? Probably. Okay. But, yeah, so so those guys. So my, my argument is that, that that's it. Joey's in the Hall of Fame. He belongs now. And it's just like we don't. 
people don't understand. They just do not understand how good Joey Votto is. Joey Votto, this is since 1901, so modern era, minimum 1,500 plate appearances. Okay? Okay. He is 17th all time in OPS. In OPS, on base plus slugging for those. He has a higher OPS than Willie Mays. Jason, shut up. He has a higher OPS than Jeff Bagwell, who just went in. He has a higher OPS than Jim Tomey, who just went in. He has a higher OPS than Albert Pujols, than Joe Jackson. Jason. There are only 16 baseball players with a higher OPS than Joey Votto. Jason, your listeners here on the podcast come to you expecting truth and honesty. I and you're giving, lying to them. That's not there's no way that can be true. Since baseball desegregated, like since players whose career started after World War II, the only one who's gotten on base more than Joey Votto is Barry Bonds. But he walks too much. <laughs> he walks just enough. He doesn't swing. He 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 would rather take a walk than drive a He's run. He's also in. top fifty in slugging percentage all time. <laughs> now that can't be true. It is true. He's. Fantastic, and people, I'm telling you, even I periodically need to, I spend half of my life staring at Joey Votto's statistics, and sometimes even I just need to look at the career leaderboards and go, oh my god. It's not true. It is true. It is all of it true, and Joey, like, this this is it. I feel like you put yourself on a list, It's, it's not like a fluke list, it's not you had one great season on the level of these other five Hall of Famers. It's, here is a career accomplishment that five of the best players ever to play the game also did. You put yourself in their company. You're a Hall of Famer. That's it. Period. He's in the Hall of Fame, as far as I'm concerned. The Dayton Dragons Hall of Fame? The the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown, New York. We need to figure out when he's going to get inducted so that we can just book a house now. Do a live podcast there. We will send upon Cooperstown in bunches, and we shall have ourselves a grand time. Well, I guess, but I, I, I still feel like you're talking about not the Hall of Fame, but the Hall of Players who'd rather take a walk than get an RBI. Listen, Chad, I'll drive to wherever you live in Virginia and beat you up if I have to. <laughs> Joey Votto is overrated, Jason. Chad. I'm trying to provoke you. Have you noticed that? Yes. <laughs> Real, is, this, those, is, this, is this vengeance for the Virginia comment? I'm never going to forgive you. Uh, seriously. No, like, seriously, these, these numbers are just remarkable. They're insane. They're mind-blowing. And this is what, like, people don't get it. They don't, like, you know, one of the things that is, I just... If you look at the list of players who've led, like, the league an absurd amount of times, almost all of them are from before the expansion era. Because guess what? It's easier to lead the league when there are fewer teams. Because there are fewer players to compete with. Yeah. So there are fewer, like, fluky seasons where you don't lead the league because, you know, Bryce Harper beats you out by one percentage point, for instance, which happened to Votto, or else he'd already have seven. Like, it's... It's amazing what he's done. He is one of the very greatest hitters in the history of baseball. Not the Reds. He is by far the greatest hitter in the history of the Reds. The only competition is Frank Robinson. We can make an argue for Joe Morgan, but Joe Morgan didn't play his whole career at the Reds like Votto was going to. Um, it's really, it's Votto and Robinson. That's that's the list. And Adam Dunn. 
chat. But here's what concerns me. Yeah, it concerns me. That's maybe taken a little bit too seriously, but it sort of bothers me that if the Reds don't get back into contention at some point before uh, his career is over, then yeah. uh, he is going to be criminally underrated for the rest of uh, his life in Cincinnati. I mean, I think he's kind of going to be criminally underrated anyway, but like, I don't know. Everybody knows Ernie Banks is great. You know, Ernie Banks never went to playoffs. Yeah. So, or maybe he did once. Maybe the Cubs went to the World Series once and lost while he was with them. I can't remember, honestly. Um, but, yeah, I mean, and we're also in an era, frankly, where because of the number of teams, there are going to be more and more great players who never won a World Series or whatever. Um, you know, well, Griffey never won a World Series, right? It's true. Yeah. I feel like that you and I are going to be raging against the machine for the rest of our lives. I will listen. About the fact that he's so underrated among Cincinnati fans who've seen him every day. He, yeah. Yeah, he is an incredible baseball player and extremely underrated. Yeah. Other than Adam Dunn, he's probably the best red I've seen in my lifetime. All right, I'm getting in the car. <laughs> Coming for you, Dotson. <laughs> Bring it on, pal. <laughs> um, that's amazing. You you should really write an article about this. I have, in fact, written. An oh, article. really? It shall be up soon-ish, probably Friday or Monday. Where? On Cincinnati Magazine. CincinnatiMagazine.com. Yes, that I'll, is where. I like that publication. I like to read I their think, digital pages. Their digital pages are quality. Sometimes this guy named Chad Dotson writes and. I mean, he's mostly wrong about everything, but but every so often he says something relevant and and decent. He had he had a column this week. Do you know? Do you, or recently at least? Do you know what column I'm I'm referring to? No, I, I didn't read it. You didn't read your own column? Oh, oh, that's right. Oh yeah, I wrote it. I did. Did you read it? Because I did. You, you don't ordinarily read what I write. I read what you write. <laughs> um. Yeah, that was uh. That was a sad, sad piece to write. And, but I thought it go, went well with another piece written by a guy named Jason Linden at Cincinnati Magazine. Ha. Yes, well, that's true. But let's uh, let's talk about those two. My piece was uh, headlined, A Lost Generation of Reds Fans. And um, essentially, well, let me just run through what, my piece, because I do think it, it meshes well with what you wrote. Recently, and, and I started out by talking about uh, when uh, FC Cincinnati was invited to join Major League Soccer, and they had that big crazy scene downtown at Fountain Square, and um, FC Cincinnati's GM described it as it looked like the Reds had just won the World Series, and I read that and I thought, huh, you know, right now the Reds are still the go-to when it comes to describing something that uh, Cincinnatians celebrate, um, because this team is, I mean, it's it's important. It's always it's a baseball town, always has been. Yeah, and uh, as as you wrote about it in terms of being a baseball town, but then I thought, you know what? How how much longer is that going to be the case? Because it's been really really bad lately, and and, and when I wrote the piece, I think the Reds were two and two since then maybe, but at that time they were twenty four and a half games out of first place, and right. a year ago at the same time fifteen and a half games back. And the year before that, at the same time, 31 and a half games back. And the year before that, at the same time, 30 and a half games back. And the year before that, at the same time, 11 games back. 
And, and it had been five, when I got to looking at it, it had been five full years since the Reds last played meaningful baseball in September. And, you know, I got to thinking about it. And I've spent five full years of my life watching a team that's just been nowhere near the vicinity of competitive baseball. And, uh, you know, it's, and some of that's been fun. We've been talking about the Reds on this podcast during that time. But, man, why would I, I can't understand why the casual sports fan in Cincinnati would have any interest in the Reds at this point. Does that make sense? It does. It does. And, and I don't think that they do are caring, frankly. This year's average attendance is the lowest for the Reds in the history of Great American Ballpark and the lowest for the franchise since 1984 and also 5,000 per game lower than FC Cincinnati's average home attendance. It's sad. It is it's sad. And I guess the point, and this is what I want to get you to comment on, the point of, it, uh, of the piece was really like there are 30-year-olds – who don't remember the last time the Reds won a playoff series. And, you know, to the average 20-something, 30-something going to a uh, an FC Cincinnati game, the wire-to-wire 1990 Reds are ancient history. And don't the big red machine, don't even get me started. And, yeah. You know, um, the Reds have had losing seasons in 17 of the last 22 years. This fan base is as apathetic as it's ever been, in my opinion. And I feel like the Reds have screwed around and have lost an entire generation of fans. And with, with the tennis down all over baseball, I don't know that it's ever coming back. Now, uh, do you have some thoughts about that? Yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, you know, the, the thing is that the Reds, I mean, if you if you look at them historically, up until the late 90s, they were rarely bad. Like, every team had had stretches, right? But I can't remember the exact number. It's been a while since I looked it up. But they've had, like, almost as many losing seasons since 2000 as they had before 2000. That's a good stat. I need to look that one up. It's, it's, it's pretty close. I can't remember exactly what it is, but it's, it's much closer than you would think it would be. Um, and it's, I mean, that's just appalling. Right. What are you doing? This used to be one of the great franchises in baseball. Yeah. And now it's like September. And I mean, you see the stands at Reds games and it looks like there are a few hundred people there. It's as bad as I've ever seen it. There's a reason why they've been embarrassing. Yeah. Uh, You know, from, from like 1970 to 19 uh, or 1970, like 2000. I think the Reds had either the best or one of the top three somewhere in that neighborhood records of any team in baseball. And and they weren't all good years. Right. But yeah. you, you didn't have this extended run of years where they were out of contention like we had in the uh, early 2000s, really from 2000 until 2010. Right. Yeah. Um, And then what we've had recently, they, you know, then I had four 90 loss seasons since the 30s. So there's no Reds fan alive that has suffered, that has experienced losing like we've experienced recently. It's 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 a recent phenomenon. And the kids that have grown up with this and I say kids we're talking 30-year-olds. It's the normal. It's the new normal. Yeah, it is. And you know, let's you know, we can kind of 
one of the problems, and we can kind of slide into sort of talking about what I wrote or whatever, is that Castellini is interfering. He's not letting the people do their jobs, and it's leading to poor results. Well, that's absolutely to my in my mind, and it's not the entire problem, no. but it's a huge problem. We've hammered this over and over um, here on the podcast and at Red Leg Nation and at Cincinnati Magazine and uh, on Twitter and everywhere else that we have a voice. But uh, yeah, I, I think that there's enough evidence now that we can say, despite what uh, certain beat writers might say on Twitter, that Bob Castellini is, you know, he's screwing up. He's a, a mini Steinbrenner. But what you said in your piece, and it feels like we're just going back and forth praising each other, but uh, I, I know. But I thought these two pieces really went well together because you, the headline of yours was, the Reds belong to Cincinnati, not to Bob Castellini. What did you mean by that? Well, I mean, basically what it says, I mean, there is not, I, with the exception I said maybe of the Green Bay Packers, which are, who are actually owned by the city in effect, like there is not a team that is more closely and more heavily associated with its city than the Reds. I mean, that's all they can talk about is oldest team in professional sports, oldest team, oldest baseball, professional baseball team ever. Like, that's, you literally can't have a Reds function without some dignitary coming up and being like, well, you know, the Reds, they have some history. They've been around longer than any professional team. Yeah, and it's all been in Cincinnati. So who do who do they really belong to? If the Reds were to move, if the Reds were to go to another team, another city, they're nothing. The Reds are more in Cincinnati than they ever would have a chance to be anywhere else. Yes, because of all that history—a century and a half. Yeah, and you know they're going to market the hell out of that next season. Oh, I actually have—I know for a fact. I've talked to people that have told me what all they're going to be doing. Yeah, um, it's going to be crazy, and uh, but. The fact of the matter is, under Castellini's stewardship, he's completely uh, steered the, the ship into the rocks. Yeah. Beca and again, because, you know, <laughs> I say what I think we should do, and if nobody disagrees with me, then we do what I say. <laughs> like, Yeah. 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 No, nobody's going to disagree with their boss. That's not how that works. <laughs> yeah, well, we've again we've discussed that, but um, I just your your prescription for that was uh, let me let me pull this up here. I had it here right here. Um, why can't Castellini just hire good baseball people, be a likable public face, watch the games, enjoy the games, make money, and, and the Reds can be winners. It's like he's, uh, he has to, uh, I don't know, he has to, I don't know if it's for his ego or what, but I'm reminded of uh, a Seinfeld episode when Frank Costanza is talking to uh, George Steinbrenner, or not, uh, George Costanza, George Costanza was talking to George Steinbrenner, and George says, we have watched you take our beloved Yankees and reduce them to a laughing stock, all for the glorification of your massive ego. <laughs> and that's, I feel like saying that to Castellini. 
It's true. I mean, because it, 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 I mean. Switch the word. I, We've watched you take our beloved yeah. Reds. Yeah. And reduce them to a laughing stock, which there's no question the Reds are a laughing stock right now. No, no question whatsoever. I mean, how is Matt Harvey still on this team? Because he's going to be the uh, the big number one starter next year when they sign him to a three-year deal, four-year deal. Right. Yeah. Okay. I have some uh, coastal land I would like to sell people. It's located in Idaho. Um, you know, you can find my contact information on the internet and just let me know what your offers are. So Castellini is, uh, he made lots of promises when he came in and he's absolutely just flunking on almost all of those promises. Yeah. And, uh, and it's specifically, I mean, I'm sorry, but at this point, I think there's enough out there to say he specifically is flunking. Yes. Yeah. When, when, when I found out, when it was reported that he was in the manager's office, you know, bugging the manager about strategy, I thought, how much worse can it get? You're, you're, a, you're a, a vegetable guy. You're really good at it. You made a lot of money. What makes you think because you have a lot of money that you're a baseball guy? I don't, yeah. I'm sad, Jason. I'm, I'm right there with you, Chad. Oh. The point is that, you know, every owner makes money. On every every baseball, every person who owns a baseball team makes money. I don't ever believe them when they're like, well, we can't afford it. No, no, no. You're making money. It's a multi-billion dollar organization. They're not doing, they're not, they'll all claim they're running the team as a nonprofit, but they're not. That's not what's happening. And respect the city that your team is in. Get your hands off the team and let the people who know what they're doing do what they know how to do. Well, traditionally, my response here has always been, well, you know, it's easy for us to spend somebody else's money. But the fact of the matter is, we know if and when Castellini decides to sell this organization, it's a billion-dollar organization for which he paid 200 some million for, or right. the ownership group did. He's going to make a just unbelievable return on his investment. So why not do what you promised that you were going to do, which is steward this community's team, towards uh back towards glory and i know maybe he thinks he's doing that by getting so involved maybe he thinks that's what it takes you, you think that's what it is no i mean maybe i think he thinks that he knows better than everybody else i, I mean i could i i could get on a high horse right now if you want me to i'm not sure if you want me to i don't think i really want you to no i don't think you want me to <laughs> see how i gave you that out there uh, I, I do see that. appreciate you appreciate you doing that so so anyway, <sighs> I, I don't know what to make of this organization, frankly, right now. Um, it's in as it's in as bad a shape in, in my lifetime. I, I really don't remember, and this may be just recency bias, but I don't remember a fan base more apathetic about the team. And it's traced back to Bob Castellini. But whatever the reason is, if they don't win soon, I, I, it may be beyond. Repair. People always say, here's here's what I want to ask you, actually. People always say that whenever I say something about the, how much losing they've done and how the tenants is down and how the fan base is apathetic, people say, well, winning will cure everything. And my what I submit is that I don't know if that's the case this time. 
there'll be more there will be more people at the ball games if they, if and when they do start winning sure but man they've they've blown a, a an opportunity to get a generation of fans interested in Reds baseball at a time when baseball is not as popular as it was so i submit that even if they start winning again it's not going to be back ever i don't this team all it would take is for fc cincinnati or uh, the bengals to really have a uh, uh, you know a, listen Chad, I I don't even watch football, and the Bengals come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, like come on, I, I know. But <laughs> if, if, if FC Cincinnati joins MLS and is successful, I don't think it's going to take much for this to no longer be a baseball town. And I, yeah, that's an interesting point. I, you know, I think that the point the Reds are rapidly approaching is a point where they will be the talk of the town if they are winning and forgotten otherwise. But that's never been the case. Right. They've yes. al- it's always been a Reds town. Yeah. And I don't want to say, you know, soccer, the America's sport of the future since 1972. You know, I don't know that uh, it's going to be FC Cincinnati. I that was highlight. <laughs> Maybe. If either of those teams, I know it's crazy to, to think the Bengals could, but if the Bengals did at this point, you know, the Bengals had some success at one point, but they never really overtook uh, Cincinnati as as the team of Cincinnati. Yeah. But if it happened now, then it's not going to happen with uh, with Mike Brown and Marvin Lewis. But if it were to happen, I think it becomes a football town. Interesting. I do. I don't know. There's a lot, a lot of problems with the NFL right now that we won't get into. Um, but uh, maybe not. You know, maybe not. Maybe the Bengals have done just what the Reds have done, which is beat down their fan base to the point where it's not the case. But I don't, maybe FC Cincinnati. I just, I just worry about the Reds' long-term viability because they've just punted on a compl- uh, full generation of Reds fans. Yeah. And Seven, yeah, yeah. Seventeen losing seasons in twenty-two years. It, I, I didn't really realize it had been that bad. It's been bad. Yeah. It's been real bad. They have not won a playoff series since 1995. I know. I was a teenager. I watched it. There are literally, 1995, there are 23-year-olds who weren't alive the last time the Reds won a playoff series. Yep. That is sad. Fever, catch it. That is sad. Okay, Jason, I didn't uh, warn you we were going to do this, but uh, we did have a listener uh, MP3 question from listener Jason Lawrence. And uh, I'm going to play this question, and you and I are going to do the best we can to answer it. Pop quiz. (laughs) Pop quiz, hot shot. Here we go. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right, here we go. This is the question from uh, Jason Lawrence. Hey, Chad. Jason in New York here. Uh, I love the podcast and the website. Thank you. Um, I wanted to ask about starting pitching next year. Um, It's been said many times that if the Reds uh, go get one or two higher-end starting pitchers this offseason, that 2019 could be a competitive year for them. Um, And I just wanted to hear if you guys have um, some specific pitchers in mind uh, that you think are realistic or that the Reds should go after. Uh, I know you mentioned Dallas Keuchel on Twitter the other day. 
Um, Patrick Corbin is a big name free agent, uh, but it feels like he's having a career year and might have priced himself out of the Reds market. Gio Gonzalez has been mentioned, but he hasn't had the best year. I'm not sure he's a necessarily a higher end starter. Um, uh, and then there's other free agents and uh, possible trade targets. If you're going to try to trade, you probably have to look for a team that's rebuilding. I'm not sure they can get uh, DeGrom or Syndergaard from the Mets. But um, anyway, I'd just be uh, really interested to hear you guys' uh, specific thoughts on that. Thank you. Thanks for the question, Jason. And uh, I want to first quibble with one thing. Jason, of course, is asking which uh, which pitchers the Reds should target. And I want to quibble with one thing. You mentioned Patrick Corbin, and you said he, good season may have priced himself out of the Reds, uh, Reds range. And here's what I'm telling you, and here's what I'm telling all of our audience here at Red Leg Nation Radio. There should be no pitcher that has priced himself out of the Cincinnati Reds range. Now, they may choose not to uh, approach certain pitchers, because it's going to be a, require a seven-year deal, and it just doesn't make sense for certain pitchers to give a big long-term contract like that. I mean, that would be smart, but the, it should not be because of money. It's time for the Reds to step up to the plate and get involved with real pitchers, because I truly believe, as Jason sort of let off his question, that two good pitchers really changes the way this, this organization looks. So I think the Reds absolutely need to be in on Dallas Keuchel. He and there are people that disagree with that, but Keuchel throws strikes. Keuchel throws ground balls, and would be a good fit for Great American Ballpark. Patrick Corbin, absolutely, the Reds need to be in on him. Absolutely, and so those are two names, the biggest free agent names probably that are going to be out there. But in terms of what other pitcher the Reds may need to go after, it's hard to say because they've got this uh, these assets in the minor leagues that uh, we don't know what pitcher might be available in trade. Yeah. I, I think the Reds need to be looking to s- trade some of their minor league assets to get one of the one or two of those pitchers. But uh, but I guess that goes back to the way I was saying before. Money does not need to be an issue. And, the, you know, it shouldn't be a problem trading for someone because you don't want to give up, give away some of these minor league assets. It's time to, to turn some of that money you've been – stockpiling and some of these assets you've been stockpiling into two quality major league starting pitchers. Now run with that, Jason Linden. Um, I agree with everything that you just said. Really? I, I am utterly tired of hearing about money. Utterly tired of it. I don't care. Bob Castellini has more money than I will ever even think about having. I want to see good baseball. And buy some pitchers. Get, heck, get Corbin and Keiko. Get them both. And keep the farm. And have your rotation be, be Corbin, Keiko, Castillo, Disco, and Molly. Yes, please. Go to war with that. Oh, my gosh. I just, I've almost blacked out for a moment. Just yeah. Think, just thinking about that. Do it. Let's see it. Make it happen, Bob. Okay. Question for you, Jason. Are the Cincinnati Reds a Major League Baseball team? Uh, they play in the Major Leagues. Okay. If they insist on playing in the Major Leagues next year, then they have to be in on the best available free agent pitcher or pitchers 
that makes sense for you know the Reds. I don't want to let's not let's not sign Greg Maddox yeah. at this point. But no, listen. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna write a column. I've I've had this kind of in the works for a while for for Red Leg Nation here soon um, about how. Next year, offensively speaking, they could be one of the better teams in Reds history, and I don't think that's hyperbole. I've got to sit down and finish the research, but I don't think that's hyperbole. They could legitimately be an excellent major league team offensively next year. If you are a, are like an excellent offensive team and you're an okay, like an average pitching team, you're in the playoffs. Yes. Yes. Or if you're a slightly above average pitching. Yeah. Or, or, you know, somewhat above average on both pitching and offense. You got a chance. And, you know, whatever. People are going to get grouchy about contracts. I don't understand why. I mean, players are far underpaid before they hit free agency. I think everybody understands that. They're probably sometimes overpaid in quotation marks after free agency. But whatever. I don't care. Like, (laughs) I just sign the best players and let's go. Yeah, if (laughs) if you're a major league organization, come on, prove it. And, yeah. and this goes back to what we were talking about just a moment ago, which is that this Reds team is, at, I feel like, a pivotal moment in, in this organization in terms of what the fans are going to uh, accept. I think the Reds, they've had this long losing stretch, and they've a generation, like we talked about, is gone. But if they have another year next year where they're not even competitive – if listen, if they come out of the off season and they're like, we're gonna roll with Matt Harvey and some other pitcher's corpse we picked up off the highway, I'm out. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And but if they come out and say and really make hardcore plays towards guys like Keuchel yeah. and Corbin, and uh, maybe get one of them, and if they trade for another guy, then I, all of a sudden though you can. St- I think people, as upset as we have been by this year, in which they're going to lose almost 100 games, but not 100, I think people may, we may not be too far gone that people will b- believe a little bit. if they. Sh- but I think they've got to make some drastic moves this winter. You and I said they need to do it last winter, if you go back and listen to the archives of Red Leg Nation Radio. But yeah. if they make some drastic moves this winter, not only can they be a competitive team, but they can also get some people to buy in a little bit, I think. I think. Yeah. I mean, if they make a genuine – listen, if they just make smart baseball decisions, that's like – I will excuse things that happen. Like injuries happen, guys underperform, just like guys overperform sometimes. Stuff happens. Right, stuff happens. I can live with that. What I cannot live with are the boneheaded, short-sighted, based in 1984 baseball moves that they have made all too frequently of late. Yeah. Can I, can I tell you what I be- truly believe is going to happen this offseason? Yeah, I guess. I think the Reds are going to acquire at least two starting pitchers. I firmly believe that. But here's what I believe. One of those pitchers is going to be, uh, what's the way to put this, is going to be uh, noticeably below the level of a Keichel or Corbin. Right. The other pitcher is going to be Matt Harvey. This is what I truly believe will happen. They will go get two pitchers, but one will be Matt Harvey, and one will be some guy that's not a one or two guy, 
or maybe you can squint a little bit and, and see him as being a two. But heck, I can squint a little bit and see Di Scalfani as being a two or Castillo. Yeah. So, so that's what I believe will happen, and I will be not happy. Let's put it that way. Yeah, so um, can I talk about some things related to that? Please do. Make me feel. Shall I talk? I wish you would. Okay, so I am afraid that you are right. And I also want to talk a little bit about Matt Harvey. A lot of people are like, oh, Matt Harvey is good. Matt Harvey is fine. Okay. He's not awful. In his time with the Reds, he has been very slightly below league average. Yeah. As a starting pitcher. Okay. Like the average major league starting pitcher has a 421 ERA, I think. And Harvey with the Reds has a 435 ERA. And, and so let me let me say this quickly. There's so much hyperbole. A certain right. group of fans want to say he's incredible because he's been one of the better Reds pitchers. He's not been incredible, right? But, but then that, when we criticize him, it, it makes it sound like we're saying he's awful. He's not. He's just sort of there, right? The the thing about Matt Harvey is he is a number three starter on a probably kind of fine-ish, mediocre baseball team. On a good team, he's probably a number four starter. And there's something I would like to go back to. I would like to take everyone back to the magical time of 2012. I remember it. You remember 2012. It was a glorious time. So in 2012, the Major League ERA was almost exactly what it is right now for starting pitchers. It was 419 then. It's 421 this year, Okay. I will now read off to you. The Reds had five pitchers qualify for the ERA title that year. I will I will read their ERAs off to you. Are you ready? Uh, you cannot believe how ready I am. 278, 348, 368, 374, 458. That's a pitching staff. Yeah. This, Matt, if Matt Harvey is your, the Mike Leak of your team... Great. That's awesome. Yes. But the problem is the Reds already have Mike Leak times like seven. <laughs> they got a bunch of guys that can do that. They need their Johnny Cueto. So, so what it sounds like what you're saying is you're not entirely averse to the Reds having Matt Harvey back next year. But, no. But it I should mean, not prevent them from going and getting a, a top shelf pitcher or two. Right. He's clearly improved. I mean, I assume, frankly – Based on what they were apparently unable to get for him via trade, he should be a heck of a bargain. Right. If if that's all he's worth, the Reds may like, be able to get him cheap. Like, I don't know, two years or three years at $10 million a year, sure, do it. Like, fine. Because in today's market, that's nothing for a starting pitcher, right? Right. Who's probably league average-ish, right? But then you still got to go out and drop real money on, like, a Corbin or a Keuchel. But what if— and probably Two of them still. But what if Red's ownership thinks that Harvey is the old guy that was the all-star and thinks that he's spending money on a top-shelf starter and so won't approve the Reds going out and getting another one? Well, I can see that happening. All right. Good grief. Bob Castellini, I want to love you. You make it so difficult. Making it so hard, Bob. (laughs) Make it easier. We we just we're, want we've we got our arms open. Uh, we're yeah. ready. 
we want to love the Reds again. We're ready for a commitment, Bob. Yes. But you got to treat us right. That's all we're asking. Form. I feel like I'm like in a 70s R&B song right now. <laughs> all for the glorification of your massive ego, Bob Castellini. I don't have Barry White's voice, sadly. Oh, I wish you did. Oh, God, you have no idea how much I wish I did. This would be a much better podcast. <laughs> really be. <laughs> all right, Jason, that's enough for, for now. Thank you all for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio, episode number 226 of the World's Most Dangerous Podcast. I'm Chad Dotson. He's Jason Linden. I'm at Dotson C. He's at Jason Linden on Twitter. You can follow us at Red Leg Nation on Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat. We're, we're at Red Leg, Red Leg Nation everywhere. And we're RedLegNation.com every single day where we're writing and talking about the Reds and, you know, obsessing over them since 2005. If you have not yet subscribed to the podcast, why not? It's so easy. Just go and subscribe to your favorite uh, podcast app. We're available everywhere. iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast, we're going to be there. And uh, just just download us and subscribe, and it does help us uh, reach more people if you leave us a, a review, especially on iTunes. If you leave us a rating and a review, it really helps people find us. And uh, But it, only if you're going to say good things, because as I always say, if, you're, if you like us, talk about us. If you don't like us, keep your mouth shut. Jason, always fun talking to you, buddy. Always a pleasure, Chattington. I have a feeling we're going to do it again at some point. Don't you have that feeling? It seems likely. Yeah, unless Matt Harvey's the only pitcher of the red sign, in which case we may just call it quits. Yeah, we'll become FC Nation. Yes. For Jason Linden and Matt Harvey's agent, this is Chad Dotson saying so long, everyone. Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from RedLegNation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. And join us for discussion of all things Reds at RedLegNation.com. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.